What's up, everybody? Welcome to the JKR Podcast. My name is Jay Strigling. I'm going to be your host. Let's get into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Welcome back to the JKR Podcast. As you guys know, my name's Jay Shrigling. I'm the host. Today is the 21st episode of the JKR Podcast. Getting pretty deep into season one so far. Today we've got Norman Miller on the show. Norman actually grew up Amish in my home community of LaGrange County um, up in Northeast Indiana. Um, He ended up going to Butler University, became a basketball manager his sophomore year. So I look forward to talking to him about that. Um, He also studied in the exercise science field. He actually graduated this past year, so he was a senior when I was a freshman. But today we just talk a little about his Butler basketball experience, the job responsibilities he had as the Butler basketball manager, and a conversation actually goes into a little bit about the Amish to English transition. So I believe it's it's a pretty interesting conversation for you guys to listen to. So let's dig in. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we've got former Butler men's basketball manager Norman Miller on the show. Glad to have, glad to have you on the show, Norman. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. So just to get started, let's have you introduce yourself so that way the listeners can get to know who you are a little bit, and then we'll dig into some questions. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name is Norman Miller. I grew up uh, in the northeast corner of Indiana in a, in a town called Shipshawana. Um, I have a pretty big family, six six of us kids, two parents. Um, actually, a lot of people um, that know me obviously know that I, I grew up uh, in an Amish family or in an Amish community. Um, and, you know, as I got older and stuff, um, I I felt like uh, you know there was there was a bit more out there I guess uh, for lack of better words I guess we could get into that as well but uh, eventually I decided after the eighth grade that I wanted to go on um, go on to high school and everything like that um, didn't really have a way to go um, right after the eighth grade because my my parents were not really on board with that plan um, for my life so for two years I just worked. Um, worked at a local furniture like finishing shop essentially um and you know after after kind of going through those two years or whatever um, I'd, I'd always wanted to go back I just never I it just you know my parents didn't uh, you know want to sign any of the papers or anything like that um after two years I guess I was 17 years old and they they kind of uh you know understood it more um now that I you know had gotten a little bit older um, and so after kind of a, a, a rather extensive um, time and trying to trying to do that, um, I, I finally got to to go back two years removed from the eighth grade. I went back to high school, went to Westview High School um, for three years, um, played uh, sports, played basketball, played uh, soccer, tried out track, <laughs> kind of didn't really like it, um, felt it really wasn't me. So I, I, I just, I wasn't too bad at it. I just didn't really like it. So I, I stopped that and I was, so I was basically just soccer and basketball. Um, 
and I was looking, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to college or not, but I was looking at you know, going to IU or Ivy Tech or something like that. Uh, and then I and then I was fortunate enough to uh, win the LaGrange County Lilly Scholarship, um, which opened up the doors to really any college in Indiana. Um, and basically, it's pretty much a full ride to any college in Indiana. So I, I chose kind of visited a few more colleges, um, had a couple of visits. And when I visited Butler, I was just like, yeah, this is this is the right place for me. Um, just from day one, it was it was tremendous. I, I uh, you know, I got there and it just kind of the, the, the environment, the location, kind of the the intimate learning environment was was what I wanted. So I, I chose to go to Butler. Um, and now four years later, uh, probably about a month ago or so, barely, yeah, is when I graduated. Um, I have a have a bachelor's in uh, human human movement and health science education and a and a minor in sport coaching um which it's kind of a kind of a fancy way of saying exercise science with with a dose of like educational uh i guess ed, like an education piece as well um i want to get into kind of the the fitness or fitness world or fitness um fitness and recreation, I would say. Um, not sure exactly what that looks like, but I, I'll be moving out to to Pennsylvania for the summer for a camp. So um, yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that as well. But that's kind of where I'm from. And uh, yeah. Okay. So actually, I was just planning on having to ask, ask you a little bit about your time as the Butler basketball manager. But if you want to dig into a few other things, I mean, that's completely fine with me. Uh, yeah, so, it's up to you. It's your podcast, man. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm an, I'm, I mean, I'm you some, book. sounds like you got some interesting stuff to say. So, uh, <laughs> if you want to start out with talking a little bit about the Amish life, because um, I know like a lot of my friends that I've made at IU, and I tell them where I'm from that I'm from a very large Amish community. Like they don't even really know what the what the Amish well, who Amish are. So, could you go ahead and explain a little bit to like what Amish like what the Amish community is like? Yeah. Um... <laughs> I'm trying to think of where to start, I guess. So basically, uh, it's it's essentially um, just a community of, of people um, and they live amongst, you know, everyone else, but they hold values um, that kind of, I guess, lead their lifestyle um, in, in a way. And it's from kind of a religious basis. Um, and so I believe they're, they're originally, they came, came from, I believe, like Switzerland and some, some of the the European nations, like in the early 1600s, I believe, um, and they spread out across the United States. And now today, I believe there's there's settlements um, almost every state in the, in the nation, I believe. Um, but some of the more prominent ones would be like Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, Indiana, obviously, in the north, the northern part of Indiana um, is where I'd be from. Uh, but essentially, I guess the the kind of the the gist of it is, is um, they're kind of, they, they try to uh, lead, you know, lead their life in a way that um, is, is, I guess, I guess they would say um, not a part of the world. Um, so they, they try to not use like they try to stay away from electricity and, and, and uh, like cars and stuff like that. So they drive horse and buggy and, and a lot of them, um, would do like to talk of like farming and stuff like that. A lot of agriculture in the north, actually in the uh, 
funny enough in the in the northern part where we're from um, it's actually like the rv capital of the world so a lot of i mean most of the rvs that you see um out on the road are probably going to be made in the in, in the northern northern indiana that little uh space i guess but um so that's what a lot of them do as well around here anyway but i know a lot of them um, elsewhere that don't have that rv industry they do a lot of businesses like i said uh, farming like i said businesses um construction that type of thing that type of stuff so it's like a simpler it's essentially a simpler way of living um limited technology like i said no no electricity um just you know there's a that there's a ton of things within that that we get into but that's kind of the, the overall the gist of it and then i i would say um they they normally uh so like from an education standpoint, they, they would go to the eighth grade and then they, and then they uh, quit going to school or, or, or they're done essentially. And then they start working. Um, and then, and there's, you know, there's Amish schools and then there's also, you know, public schools that Amish attend, which I did, um, which I did that, but th there are standalone Amish schools as well. Um, but they're taught in English as well. So, um, yeah, and then after that, you, you kind of, once you turn uh, 16, which I, I don't know exactly kind of where that, that number came from, um, but but once you turn 16, you enter a, a phase of, like, where you can kind of go explore and see if, see if um, kind of do what you, what you want to do, I guess, for lack of better words. Um, and, and, you know, that a lot of times people will buy a car and then, you know, do all that type of stuff and get a cell phone, all that, all that type of stuff. But, um, but yeah, and then it's kind of up to your decision whether or not you want to come back and, and most of them do. And then once you choose um, to, to take that route, you would just get baptized by the church and then, and then you're a member of the Amish community. Um, but yeah, and then there's just some people that, that don't obviously. Um, and, and I guess that's kind of the path I've chosen. So, okay. So, um, <laughs> You said your parents signed off on you to go to Westview at 17 years old. So does that mean they signed off on you to become non-Amish anymore? Or when, what well, was I, the transition from transferring from Amish to non-Amish? Well, I, I would say that actually would come more and more like later, like whether you choose to come back to the church or not or whatever. I don't think that signing um, really signified that, you know, that transformation or whatever, if you want to call it that, but. I would, it, it, that was more of just like, um, like that was really the only thing between me and me and going to school essentially was that. Okay. Um, and, and so having them sign that was like a big thing for me because I, I, that meant that I could now go back. Not that they, you know, agreed or, or encouraged or, um, you know, advocated for that path in my life, but they essentially, you know, and I, like, I'd be honest with it was, it was kind of a little bit ugly at that time in my life but um it you know for the long in the long run it, it has worked out but yeah that was that was I guess kind of the the, the transition from not being allowed to say so to speak go to go to school to then okay I have signature I have these forms and that but again um having that I, you know that that wasn't their way of saying uh you know, we, we encourage this or we agree with this or whatever. It was more just, okay, we accept, you know, his, okay. his choice his to do this, I guess. And I think that 
probably was easier, you know, at the age of 17 versus 15 right out of eighth grade, you know. So, yeah, that's, I guess, I don't think it would really signify too much other than just that, so. Okay, so you currently aren't Amish though, right? No, no, no. I mean, I wouldn't consider myself, no. Like, I... I okay, is there that's a kind chance of, that, that, you can go back? I mean, I could, yeah. I don't have no intentions yeah. of it, but yeah. Um, there's... Okay. I mean, it's essentially like you choose... Once you choose that you want to be Amish, you, you go um, to the church and you go kind of through like a process um, and then you get baptized within that church and now you're officially a member of the Amish community. Um, you know, obviously, like as kids, you're not you were not baptized as kids, really, but you're just kind of assumed within the family, obviously, this, that, you know, that you're Amish or whatever. But, um, I, you know, for me, people ask me that all the time. I, I don't know really what exactly signifies me not, you know, I, I still come from it. We're talking about it. It's a part of who I am and it all it always yeah. will be. That's not something I'm going to like hide from anybody. But um, yeah, as far as do I classify myself as that, I, I would probably say like no, um, I, okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be, you know, where I am sitting here today talking to you um, if I had chosen that. Path. So, yeah, like they, okay. So you, you, know, you have all like, intentions like, of staying out of the Amish community. Yes, I mean, yeah, or not at okay. least live that to live that lifestyle. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean, I, all I, right. I, I wouldn't. I don't know necessarily if I'll, you know, not live around here, but I, I, I I'm not planning on and on doing that. I guess so. Okay. So what's it considered, like, when you guys transfer from being Amish to not being Amish anymore? Like, what's that considered? Like, what do you consider the people in your community who are not Amish? Uh, You mean, like, other people living in the same yes. area but not... Yeah, you, uh, do you call them just, like, English people? or what Yeah, do you yeah, call them? yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we call them, English. You probably know that as well. But, yeah, that's someone, yeah, that's what they would say. It's like, yeah, he went English or whatever. That, that would mean... He, Okay, that's a, that's why no, I always assumed, it, but I never yeah. really have gotten the chance to mm-hmm. ask anybody if that's what you guys, if that's what they called yeah, the people that's, who were Amish. Yeah, in, yeah, yep. It's, it would be. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's transition a little bit to your time at Butler. Um, that's how mm-hmm. I kind of got connected with you. I saw that you're a Butler manager. Reached out to you, but mm-hmm. you're a manager for three years. So, how did you c- get connected with the Butler basketball team? Um. So when I went to college, I wasn't sure what I wanted to kind of fill my time with or where I belonged to or anything like that, the kind of group of people I wanted to be with. So freshman year, I didn't really, I kind of had it in the back of my head, but I wasn't, you know, I was already too late because you kind of apply during the later part of the summer before you, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, wouldn't have technically been too late, too late, but most of that hiring gets, gets done late in the summer before that, you know, before um, the semester starts or whatever or at least the very beginning of the semester so I was just late on board there um, but I always thought it was a really cool concept and I was you know I, coming from high school I was playing basketball pretty much every single day and working out and I worked at the rec center there and I just felt like you know instead of spending you know three to four or five hours a day at the rec center um, and all that although that was fun and I made a lot of friends doing that I was like I want to fill that with with something else where I can um, be connected to sports, be connected to basketball and, and help people in the way that I can um, or, or in any way that I can. And so I had met some, some of the managers that were currently managing during my freshman year. 
And so leaving, I guess it was the end of freshman year, I had a conversation with um, Adam Owens, who was the head manager for the for us that very next year, Adam Owens and uh, Sam Sturdivant. Um, it's, it's really, I, I knew Adam, I think, probably first, and I kind of contacted him and I, you know, I was actually a fraternity brother to him at the time. Um, and later that summer, he, he said, hey, email this person, um, which was director of basketball operations at the time, Brandon Crone, who's now an assistant coach down in Evansville. Um, and then I reached out. Um, he was like, yeah, um, we are not hiring for sophomores. We're just hiring freshmen. So I was like, oh, shoot. Well, there goes that. Um, so I told Adam that. And couple of weeks later, he came back and said, hey, I put in a good word for you. Um, try it again. And so uh, what ended up ha happening actually is one of my best friends now to this day, which is kind of full circle, um, one of my best friends, Logan Sanford, he was a he was a freshman manager at the time. He actually quit um, because of a kind of a, a real estate job kind of thing that he was starting to do. And he did, felt like he didn't have enough time anymore. So he quit. And so I essentially kind of took his position, I guess, from this, from that sophomore class and, um, yeah, had an interview, went well and was hired there, uh, 2018, August of 2018. And then, yeah, that year, um, yeah, that year was, was my, yeah, it was been my sophomore year. That was the year that we, I don't think we made the tournament that year. No, we didn't make the tournament that year. Following year, we were, which was the COVID year last year, um, we or two years ago, I guess, two seasons ago, we were pretty good. We were ranked fifth in the nation at one point. We had a really good team. Um, and then obviously no one's season was able to, to be finished, which was really super sad. But um, yeah, and then last year, um, yeah, had just, it just last year, I guess, was with COVID and everything. It was a lot of, a lot of different struggles and stuff that our team had too and just we were young and and stuff and and obviously our 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 ending wasn't it to be but you know obviously we all kind of defined uh you know successful seasons um kind of in our own in our own light so still being being a part of that team was was absolutely incredible and very very valuable and yeah yeah i would say i would say my senior year was still um, one of my, one of my, my favorite seasons, um, to be a part of, but yeah. Okay. So could you take me a few of some of the job responsibilities you had at a, uh, as a manager? Yeah, for sure. Um, so when I came in, obviously I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't head manager or anything, but I, for the past two years, so senior, junior, senior, I, I was a part of the head manager crew, which that, I mean, really all that changes is, you know, you're just the leader of these guys as well. Um, and you're kind of a, direct, uh, direct communication, um, between the coaches, um, and, and the manager squad or whatever. And so I guess there's a ton, tons and tons of responsibilities, but, um, managers, I would say they, they do anything and everything you could possibly think of that you wouldn't think of, if that makes any sense. That's how I describe it. It's, it's very behind the scenes. Um, not a lot of, not a lot of hype, nothing like that, but that's kind of what, what I liked, you know, what I kind of liked about it, it was, it was very, as a way for me to, to, to help in a way that I, that I could in the best way that I could. Um, and 
and just gave me a tons of opportunities, meeting incredible people, traveling to incredible places and eating incredible food. It was just a, a really, really good experience being around um, high quality coaches and all that. But um, I guess from, from very specifics, um, obviously game days are huge. Um, we, we do everything from, we have, you know, morning walkthroughs uh, every, every game five hours before the tip off starts. Um, so if you have a noon game, um, usually, well, usually we move that up to four hours before, but if we have, you know, if we have a four o'clock game, we always have walkthrough at 11 a.m. So we're there for that. It's just kind of a, literally what, what it sounds like. You walk through your offense and your defense and out of bounds plays and, and just kind of mindset stuff and all that, you review some film. And then you do, we had a, you know, pregame meal. And during all this, we're, you know, us managers are kind of helping out, rebounding, doing all that stuff, but then you know, making sure, you know, jerseys get out to the locker rooms, um, setting up coolers, towels, benches, um, film, um, all that type of stuff. That's kind of on game days. And then obviously the game happens and we have kind of, it was a little bit different this year with COVID, but usually on a normal year, I'm just going to kind of describe what a normal year would look like. Um, we usually have, kind of like four different sections of, of where managers are at, like physically on a game day during the game. One would be a couple couple on the bench, which would be doing, um, you know, towels, waters, uh, stuff, masks and stuff for this year. Um, hopefully not for, for after yeah, this. Ho- but, hopefully not next um, year. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, stats, some of that stat keeping is done on there as well. And then there's um, – two ends like the two baseline ends there's what we call dog pounds so our student sections usually there and we have a couple of managers lined up on the sides of that um and the one that's at the bench end um they're in charge of getting the stools out during timeouts as, as quickly as as possible um and then there's also some stat stuff that usually goes on there and then on the other end uh, the opposite end of the court those guys would usually be doing um Oh yeah, and you clean up sw- or like sweat as well from both ends. So sweat guy on both ends, and then on the the far end, we usually have a guy that's just dedicated to getting um, the referees like cups of water during halftime or during timeouts and halftime and stuff. Um, and again, a little bit of stat keeping there. And then the final position, um, the fourth of the of the of the four, is in back in the locker room. Actually, we ha- we do live coding. Um, which basically entails us just there's kind of like a hot key if you can imagine like on a on a computer you kind of have your hot keys or whatever and you you know one your roster is one through 12 or 15 or however many players and then say Aaron Thompson takes a shot you press one um, right after he takes marks it in the timeline of when that occurred um, and as, as well as like offense defense and all these other types of things um, that we do. That way the coaches can then go back even during halftime, uh, click on certain plays or certain parts of the game, review them with the players, um, what what we can do better. Um, and then that's kind of game. And then obviously after the game, you know, clean everything up and all that stuff. Um, that's just a game day during, during stuff like that. It would just be, um, you know, we get there usually around 30 to 45 minutes before practice starts, set everything up, uh, you know, 
just, you know, pads and towels and clock and film and, and water, Gatorade. Um, each player this this season, each player had kind of their own little area for their water bottle and towels and all that stuff and masks and all that. So that was a little bit extra, um, extra work for us, but wasn't like too bad. Um, but yeah, and then just during practices, kind of being on the sidelines, and this is kind of, you know, there we usually have afternoon practices, but you if you have school, obviously you're a student before you're a manager. So um, it's kind of like our rules is kind of like, student before manager but anything else like your basketball is the second thing to that um, yeah it's kind of what it's kind of what we preach and stuff so we really want guys there um and you're just during during practice you're you know on the sideline you're ready to hop in into drills and be a defender or go off pick and rolls or you know hit players with pads or rebound or really anything you think of and obviously have a have a towel around your uh, shoulder for when the sweat comes <laughs> Yeah. Go out there and wipe it up, wipe it up and stuff, and just you know having balls ready for the next drill. There's really kind of a as you get better and you learn kind of the the ins and outs of what coach does during practice. Become um, you can become really really efficient as a program if 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 your managers are on. And it's not just the managers, but it's also coaches and players. But if your managers are um, like a half step ahead when it comes to the next drill setting up the next that that makes a ton and ton of differences so that's kind of what we preached um as well and then just you know the funnest part or not you know one of the funnest parts is you know getting to travel and all that stuff so you know travel travel um travel days are, are pretty pretty you know wild and hectic but they're fun um usually um and you just yeah it's kind of we practice before we leave and then we pack it make sure everything's packed up and under the bus and yeah and then there's we usually travel three managers um to wherever we're going and those three managers kind of kind of take the take the lead on that road that's kind of where also we try to um quote unquote maybe like develop develop people and, and give people leadership roles and responsibilities yeah. that they might not have otherwise had um, yes, when, so we're, do, when we're just playing at home and stuff. So do those roles yeah. usually change? Like, is it usually the same three managers or is it uh, no. through each road trip? Yeah. So we try to mix it up pretty, pretty well with the road trips. It's kind of, it kind of goes with seniority, obviously. So your head managers and your older guys, um, we only so our our crew we had ten last year we had twelve the year before but we didn't hire any new ones because of COVID this past year, um, and so we usually kind of the older guys usually get the most. There's usually at least one of the older guys or at least one of the head managers. Where usually that's synonymous. Usually the older guys are head managers, but not always. Um, but yeah, usually there's at least one of those on the road trip, and then we try to sprinkle in maybe junior a sophomore and then a, a freshman or something like that um, just to try to get them uh, get have some experience there but get the young guys to feel what what a road trip is like um, and so that you know in a couple of years they'll they'll be the, those guys in those positions and and uh, I think I think probably if you look at the whole year as a whole um, head managers and stuff obviously go to the most most of you know I went to I think most of the games obviously the way games this past year and then like your juniors and sophomores whoever ha would have maybe you know three quarter of the game maybe two-thirds of the games or something and then your freshmen have the least amount we're not and it's not like we're not intentionally just 
doing that, but it is kind of a seniority thing too. You need experience on the road and you need to in crunch time, get things done when coach needs them. So just, you know, it wouldn't make sense to send a bunch of young guys. They've never. Yeah, done so of course. That's, of course. that's kind of why we, yeah, kind of why we do that. But like I said, um, I remember like my freshman year when I was actually, I was sent on a road trip where I was the leader of it. And that was like, I had gotten, it was at the end of the year and I'd gotten a hang of it before it wasn't my first road trip, but it was something that they threw me in just to kind of, I think just to, you know, test me and see, you know, how's he going to respond? And then, you know, the next season I was a head manager and I don't know if had that road trip had anything to do with it, but it very, very well yeah. could have, I guess. Yeah. So. And then uh, going back into the home game roles, you said there's mm-hmm. so many different roles. There's people behind the bench, of course, people mm-hmm. for the referees, waters. Do those roles mm-hmm. change at all? Or if you get assigned one role mm-hmm. at the end of the year, you stay at that role all year? No, we, we, we try to switch it up um, as much as possible. There's nothing more annoying than, than doing the same exact thing over and over and over. Yeah, you get good at that, but knowing we, what, what, are, what we preach, honestly, as a, as a group is that we need, we need guys that know how to do everything. Like from a, from a management standpoint, by the time you're a junior, sophomore, junior, I would, honestly, you should know how to do everything that we do, you know, and, and there is a lot. Yes. And, circumstances but um we try to mix it up as much as we possibly can and again some of those some of those bent you know the some bench some bench opportunities are going to be more present for the upper the you know the, the especially when you're you know playing bill nova or, or someone like that you're going to those, those bench opportunities are going to be more reserved for the upper class and so there's always there's always still that kind of that hierarchy of of, of getting to um, you know, a place where you want to within your own manager squad. But yeah, we try to, from each game day, switch it up. And I think that's a, I think it's a good way to, um, when people don't know how to do something and there's one other person there that does, it just makes everything just, it, it just, I don't know, it's your own way of implementing like your own leadership roles, even though, yeah. even if those guys aren't necessarily head managers and stuff. So yeah, those roles will, will definitely change. Yeah. Um, so do you do much work? Do the managers do much work with the team in the off season or is it mostly just an in season type of job? Um, there is opportunities definitely in the off season. Um, one of our managers, Kai Bates Diop is actually um, helping out this summer or is, is an intern for the team this summer. Um, he's there doing camp and stuff starting actually tomorrow um, they're, they're doing their summer camp stuff. And, and like, I, you know, I had the opportunity they asked me if I want to come back and do that as well. Um, and, and I, I would have loved to do that, to, to do that. It's right down my alley. Um, but I, I, I'll be leaving for Pennsylvania. So I, that it just didn't work out for me, but yeah, there's certainly a lot that, that you can choose to do, but uh, you know, again, a lot of the managers also, you know, get summer interns or have summer work and stuff and they just go back home and whatever, but there definitely is opportunities. And yeah. then I also, I I'd also, I did forget one big part of, of the thing that, um, I mean, we, so from a coding, I, I mentioned the coding as, a, as in live coding, but we also do a ton of, of coding for, from a scout perspective. So we play a team um, on both coded at least five, probably five or six games from whoever playing from like their so I see at the beginning of the year you're gonna have less film and you're just gonna be working with last year's film and all that stuff. But by the time you get into the season, 
Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be a couple of games ahead of who we're actually playing at the time as far as coding comes. And, and it's the same idea. Like you're just tracking the other team's players and their points and assists and turnovers and rebounds and all that stuff um, in real time and coding the offense, defense and stuff. That way coaches can then go back um go through those film film um, databases and, and kind of click on what they want to see in the player. You know, they want to see just one player, click on number 32, watch all of number 32's touches, see, see what kind of a player it is, and then they use those to put it into the scouting reports and stuff. Um, and, and, and we also, you know, do, do some of the scout, actual scout um, from – a lot of the statistic parts is, is from us and then the coaches kind of finish it off and then we we blow it up and print it out and, and put it on on the wall in the locker room but yeah i guess okay. i kind of left that part out that but that is a very that is a very tall task too that's a yeah i'm sure it is extension to a lot of a lot of it's, it's, an ex, it's like an extension on court um and, and in practice and in game experience it's just an extension to say yeah but it's an important so, one nonetheless yeah. Did so with the NCAA tournament this year being all in Indiana and some of the games being at Hinkle Fieldhouse, like did you have to work mm-hmm. some of those games doing a few things or Oh yeah. Yeah. So um I like how you worded that. Did you have to work? No, I, I got to work. <laughs> okay. So okay. Well I'm, yeah. I had yes. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. So I'll I'll tell you a little bit about so um our athletic trainer, Ralph Reef, um incredible guy. Absolutely love that guy. He is, he is one of a kind, but he, um, he asked me and the other head manager, senior head manager, Noah Weiss, um, he's also an incredible person. Shout out Noah Weiss. He just moved to Minneapolis to do some incredible things, but, um, he asked me, him and his little brother, who's also a manager, he's a sophomore or going into junior year now, I guess, manager, if we wanted to, to help out with those games and his staff. So he was kind of in charge of like the medical staff and, especially with COVID and stuff, there's a ton more that we had to do, swapping out locker rooms, cleaning up, you know, benches and all that stuff. But essentially the, we had, I think, I think we had six. I'm not sure the number exactly. I think I counted it up as like 16 or 18 total games. Um, first, second and, and first, second round. And then uh, I think three sweet 16 games that we had, what we hosted. And I believe I was at most of them. And most of them, we had three guys to do two two position job, which we were just at both ends with the mops. Like if you ever saw anybody okay, run yeah, out yeah. there with a mop, yeah. mop to do the sweat, yeah. If it was at Hinkle, it's one of us three. So that was just a really, really, really like I would have never thought I would have ever been in that position to sit on the baseline of NCAA games and do something like that. You know, that seems like a just like something you. But I, you know, I got to watch. You know. Some of the, and that was another thing too that I, you know, I cleaned the sweat during timeouts and then I kind of just coast over near the team, you know, not in their huddle, but kind of near there and, and watch some of the greatest college basketball coaches in the country coach their teams in timeouts and listen to what they have to say and stuff. And that was, yeah. And even just, just the, just being there was just super cool. But I felt, I thought that was some really valuable, some really valuable stuff watching some of the greats of, of college basketball and, and yeah. just all the great teams and players I got to see. So which teams, which teams were there playing at Eagle when you, when you were there? Oh, um, well, all four of the final four teams I would have seen at least once, maybe, and I think twice Gonzaga, I saw three times. Um, 
USC, I saw once. Evan Mobley is an absolute beast. Um, <laughs> uh, Kate Cunningham, so Oklahoma State was um, Texas Tech, Arkansas. I mean, just a ton, just a ton of them. Um, Houston, obviously. Um, let's see. Syracuse saw them out two times, I think, three times. UCLA, watched UCLA, I believe, three times. Um, who else? Obviously, a lot of like a lot of more of the the first and second round games are are just teams you don't quite remember as well. But yeah, like that Ohio that Ohio team with uh, Jason Preston was there. Um, <clears throat> who else? Yeah, I mean, just I don't know. It was just sick. Like especially like Gonzaga and Baylor. Those teams are just so fun to watch. Like watching, you know, watching. Uh, you know Jalen Suggs and and those guys and and you know that the three guards on those guys just look unbelievable. Like when you're watching, obviously on TV it was awesome, but like in real life, their their speed and their the way they play the game, it was just it was awesome. It was an incredible yeah. experience. <laughs> yeah. But, so would you say that's probably your most? Would you say that's probably your most memorable time at Butler, or is there something else that probably is at the top of your mind? Um. Hmm. That's a good question. I, I, I would put it up there, um, but I, I don't I don't take away from my Butler with the Butler basketball team experience. I'm, unfortunately, we didn't make it the tournament this past season, so we, we didn't get to play um, or have the opportunity to play in our own. I don't know if that would have happened anyway, but in our own field house would have been super cool. But um, I, 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 I had some really, really good times um, with the team as well, like I mean, just a couple, couple of them that come to mind would be like um, junior year with Kamar. Um, he had like three game winners in one year, um, one against Villanova and Xavier and another one in the, in the um, tournament. At the, or, uh, I think it was the Crossroads Classic Tournament, I think, at the beginning of the year. Just some of those moments, um, uh, you know, traveling. And the thing with that too, I think some of the better best memories come just even like when you're traveling with the team and stuff. Like, like those are that's when you really get to know people. You know, like yeah, on on road on road trips and stuff. You know, you can you'll see guys in the locker room and talk to them and stuff. But once you're, um, you know, on a bus or on an airplane or or in a hotel and it's and it's just like you're kind of like a little you know. 25 30 person little family kind of thing and it really felt like that a lot of the times it was those were some of the most i think some of the most memorable times of my life and i think especially um that was also a good way for the three managers to really to to really get to know each other better as well if you haven't you know if you hadn't already um you're, you're stuck in you know you have two rooms between the three of you but that was that was definitely a time where um managers kind of got to to you know to get to know each other as well, uh, yeah. but also with, you know, coaches and you just, you can tell they're everyone's a bit more loose and lax and you're just eating together and, um, you know, try, everyone's trying to, there for the same reason. That's, that's kind of the, that's kind yeah. of the, um, the vibe and whatever. So it was, yeah, it was, I, I would say, I wouldn't put it at the number one, but I would say it's definitely up there for sure. Okay. So you'd say <laughs> you're, you're probably, you're pretty close with the coaching staff and the players off the court. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I like that was one of the things too. Like my freshman year, I was in a fraternity and stuff, and and I love I love a lot of you know I love those guys, and, and a lot of those are still um, 
near and dear to me, but I just felt, and there's a lot of, there's some other things that were going on too in my life, but I just felt like um, I needed some type of a, a, I don't know, like a family or, or a group of people that, you know, pushed me and, and um, was there for me and present every day and stuff. And that was like kind of the perfect, I didn't know it at the time, but that like being a manager kind of provided that for me. Um, being around those guys and yeah like you're around all the players all the time and you I you know you develop incredible relationships with them and hang out with them uh, off the court and outside practices and games yeah. and stuff for sure and like I have you know I have some, a bunch of coaches too that I can that I can go to anytime I need anything and and um, yeah and this and like I said it, it really does feel that's one good thing and I know some some managers don't don't aren't fortunate enough to be in the environment that I was, but that Butler basketball, especially even from a manager standpoint, it, it very much feels like, um, like you belong and like you're valued. And I think, you know, obviously that starts at the top. Um, Coach Laval does a really good job of doing, of, of leading the team in a way that kind of resembles family and love and being there for one another. And, and um, much bigger than basketball um, is, yeah. is, is kind of his, his philosophy in which I, which you can see, um, you can see in his, in his, in the way he coaches and the way he, he interacts with, you know, parents and, and players and all that stuff. So, yeah, I would, I would, yeah, I absolutely, um, I absolutely cherish and, and the managers as well. Like that's another thing I keep, <laughs> I keep, you know, harping on is, is that group of guys too. Um, just having that, you know, little, little group of 10 guys that are, that are all on the same um, mission, you know, is, is, pretty special and I, I those are those will forever be guys you know that are going to be in my at my wedding and all that stuff or you know whenever that whenever that time comes but yeah for sure is it's um definitely a definitely a people people business for sure <laughs> yeah so now that you're graduated I know you said earlier that you're going to Pennsylvania for a camp but can you tell me a little bit about what your plans are now that you're graduated yeah um yeah, so I was I, two summers ago. I went out to this camp, the summer camp out in Pennsylvania called Independent Lake Camp. Um, I got connected through it with one of my professors. Worked there in the late nineties. Um, it's it's a it's just a massive. It's not it's like a massive stay away camp. Um, it's in the mountains of the Pocono Mountains. It's got a massive lake there. Um, it's not just a sports camp. It's it's everything, everything and anything you could possibly think of is pretty much there. Um, and I was I, I was a strength conditioning coach and basketball coach and a kind of a bunk counselor essentially. I'd have a group of kids that I was in charge of that summer, living in the bunk and stuff with them. Loved it, loved every second of it. Honestly, like it was probably one of my favorite summers of my entire life. Um, very meaningful, meaningful work for me. I love kids. I love coaching. I love love that type of um, that type of environment. And so, um, yeah, last summer they called me back. Um, they wanted to to have me run like their sports department stuff and I'd said yes to that and then obviously with COVID that didn't happen Um, and then honestly last last fall they they emailed me again and I told them uh, probably not like I'll be you know graduating and I'll kind of want to get into my the next phase or whatever Um, but a couple months ago the owner owner asked again and then we had a nice little conversation and, and he um, gave me a, a really a, a really nice um, position and, and wants me to wants me to live there again for the summer and, and so I'll be a, I'll be a head counselor this summer 
um, I'll have my own bunk and stuff, and I'll, I'll kind of be working um, with kind of the bunk counselors, which would have, which is kind of the position I had two summers ago, working with them, making sure that they're okay, but also in addition to them, making sure all their kids are okay and stuff. So yeah, um, a lot, lot, lot different of a role, um, but I'm absolutely looking forward to it. And then during that as well, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm looking into. Um, possibly going into a partnership with the Apples area um, and, and train, um, you know, train people out of there um, and, and kind of simultaneously, there's a couple trying to, trying to get started and stuff, but I'd like to kind of have an, have an online um, coaching presence at some point as well. Um, although I think I need to focus on one and then the other at some point, I don't want to, I don't want to be, um, too too swamp and that's a pretty difficult um kind of area to venture into but that's that's what my plans are is, is at some in the next in the next couple of months um determine kind of where and, and how all that's going to look like and then yeah hopefully get that ball rolling and and um yeah i i love this i mean i love I'm, i don't know exactly what everything is going to look like but i just love you know fitness and, and coaching and, and you know helping people and then that's I feel like is is what I what I'm called to do. Um, so I, I want to do that and and what makes sense I guess and that's what it looks like now. Um, hard telling, you know, a couple years down the line it might look totally different and and I'm doing something else. Who knows? But that's kind of what I'm what I'm planning on doing. So yeah, well I mean it sounds like I mean it sounds like you're following something that you really enjoy. So I mean oh, that's absolutely. that's always good. But okay. I got I got one last question for you before we end it off. I believe I'm sure. probably going to know the answer to it, but I might as well <laughs> ask: What is the best college basketball arena in Indiana? <laughs> that is softball. That is Hinkle Fieldhouse through and through. I I, I mean I'm not going to say I'm not going to say I agree. I knew that <laughs> I knew that answer was coming. Have you but Have you been there? Have you been there? I have not. So yeah, no, maybe maybe to. I'll have to go to a game. Yes, absolutely, and if, and if yeah, I can I can make that happen for you if you need. Yeah, you need to experience that environment. It, I always say it's like, I yes, I come from a biased standpoint. Obviously, I was a Butler basketball manager for three years, but I, I truly do believe, and I've been to um, most of. I mean, I've been to Assembly Hall, Mackey, and most of the. I haven't been to Notre Dame, I guess, but. The well, Notre, schools, Notre Dame's right? not even the conversation. So, yeah, 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 that's I mean, true. It's, that's, that's true. It's it's You're one right. of it's one of the three. I'll be honest. Yeah. It's, Matt, it's either Mackey Assembly Hall or Hinkle. I've been it's, to Mackey and Assembly, but yeah, yeah, you. I think you'll agree then, it, especially at full capacity. I just think it is such a, an, um, setting like there's literally just there's like not like almost ten thousand right there, and it's like a, almost feels like a like a high school basketball game with the intensity of it, but in a, in a literal, you know, division one big East setting like that yeah. more, that, that crank crank to that level, but that, that type of environment, cause everything's right. You know, it's just the way Hinkle's built is, is historic and it's, you know, and, and the thing is too, I, when, when, if you'd ask me like who has the best facilities, of course it's not Hinkle cause Hinkle's like a historic site and it's not going to have the best, but that's not like why, Hinkle is what Hinkle is. Like Hinkle is 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 that way because of its um, you know notorious history and and all of that. So like expecting to have you know 
the greatest facilities and ever, you know, with the greatest technology is a bit, you know, and we do have a ton. We, we, I'm not saying we don't, but I'm just saying like, that is what makes Hinkle Hinkle and, and players have to, I think that's kind of what differentiates us, um, I guess, from, from some other schools that don't necessarily have that. But yeah, I, yeah. I'd say Hinkle Fieldhouse, Indianapolis, Indiana, if you haven't been there, anybody that's listening to this, you you need to go to a game. It's just it's it's just incredible. So okay. So what yeah. are the chances you're going to be there this winter? <laughs> pretty high, pretty high. Okay. Yeah. So how about <laughs> how about you hook us up with some tickets? You me, you go, and you just show me Hinkle Field House, and you prove to me that it's number one. Let's. Hey, that sounds. That doesn't even sound like a like a like a. You know. That's that sounds awesome, you know. Let's okay. Do that. I was gonna say. I was gonna say that doesn't sound like a tall task at all. I can do that for sure. All right. I'll I'll take. I'll <laughs> text you let's in make October. It, yeah, let's make it happen. I'm serious. That, okay. I'll text you in uh, October, and I'll you just you show me around Butler University. You show me Hinkle Fieldhouse, and I'll see if it's number one. I'll give you a tour, man. That I have okay. access to at that point, anyway. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking forward yeah. to that now. You just made my day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, but, no, me too, man. I'm I'm serious. It's just all right. I'll, yeah, uh, I'll, we I'll can keep make in contact happen. with you, and I'll I'll look at Fink- Hingle Fieldhouse. <laughs> but yes, sir. No, I I think that's all I got for you. I really appreciate mm-hmm. you coming on the podcast. I know it's about four. It's about forty nine fifty minutes right now. So I mean, taking quite a bit of time out of your day, mm-hmm. but just I really appreciate it. And, oh yeah. All right. And another great episode in the books. Today's interview took a little turn that I was not expecting it to go, but altogether, I believe we had a great conversation. Hope you guys learned a lot about Norman, Norman's life, a little bit about the Amish community. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Hinkle in October or, or what this winter, whenever I get the chance to see that. Maybe compare that to Assembly Hall, what I think is personally the best arena in college basketball in indiana but it's whatever but that's going to wrap up episode number 21 make sure to check out next week as we have two episodes we've got former professional baseball player glenn mclean on monday and cubs prospect bryce windham on friday so make sure to check that out see you guys next week